Welcome to the Office 365 Developer Show. I'm your host, Jeremy Fake. The only show focused on Office 365 development, where I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 platform. For more information on Office 365 development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, welcome to episode 26 with uh, Frank Moresco on some enterprise content management PMP samples. As usual, just a quick weekly update of what's been going on in the world of Office 365 development. Let's start off with one from Steve Peschka, who's always very active on his blog, specifically around SharePoint because he's been in the space for so long. But he's been doing a fair amount of work with the Ag Connected Service stuff, talking to the Office 365 APIs, and does a great job of explaining kind of all the authentication hops that you need to run through with your code and some tips and tricks there for calling particular bits with the access tokens. So it's definitely worth checking his blog post out. He always does a very good job of taking it from his perspective, which is useful. In addition to that, MSDN crew have published some new updates to our SharePoint 2013 and SharePoint Online solution packs. This new update actually includes a bunch of stuff on guidance around um, branding and site provisioning. So it talks about how you can do these things with the Cloud App model and talking about remote provisioning artifacts rather than kind of using full trust code or sandbox solutions and master pages. Um, I've been tweeting about this all week and um, it's kind of lit up on the social um, aspect of things, so I would highly recommend downloading that solution pack and taking a look. We do tend to update that quite regularly, so it's worth um, watching out for those updates coming through and naturally on this show we'll always promote those as they come up. So definitely worth a great good read if you're doing any kind of UI customizations at all because it's kind of the core guidance on that. I've been busy um, outside of this pod show talking to a bunch of people. Um, So one of those people is Andrew Connell, who runs the MS Cloud Show with my boss, um, Chris Johnson. They do a really good job of talking about kind of update on Azure and um, Office 365. We did get a little bit sidetracked and talking about a bunch of other bits and pieces around Office 365 development, um, but the main focus of the talk was to discuss what we're doing around the training aspects of um, the development audience, and um, obviously that's one of the things I own internally within our team. And actually, Andrew's been busy working on some stuff around samples for AngularJS, and one of these things he's, he's worked on is writing up how to process JSON responses server-side um, when they come back as XML and kind of iterating through those objects and binding them to kind of like strongly typed classes. And so there's some really useful code there that um, I've used in the past actually, but he's done a great job of like kind of adding them as GitHub snippets so you can easily kind of pull those down. So definitely check those out because it's uh, certainly useful when it comes with handling um, kind of strongly typed messages coming from a, a service that isn't strongly typed. And Another guy who I caught up with when he was in Redmond a few weeks ago, um, James Farhat, actually got to talk with Corey Fowler on the um, the Web TV show, um, which is hosted on Channel 9. And he actually shows um, an AngularJS app that essentially runs within Outlook, Word, and Excel, and PowerPoint. And it looks for attachments in those document types. And um, it, what it does is it will give you an option to sign in with Dropbox, Google Drive, or OneDrive, and then allow you to save the attachments within those documents up to those cloud file share systems. We're actually open sourcing that entire project on GitHub, so as soon as that's around, I'll add the link to the show notes in a, in a future show, um, and obviously to that Channel 9 video that's up there. So it's a really, really interesting approach to what they're what we're doing in the Angular space, and James and Corey do a great job of kind of digging into it in the kind of the interview style stand-up demo that they do in the Channel 9 studio. So definitely worth checking it out. It's only a, how long is the video? It's 18 minutes, but it's well worth the watch to get an idea about what you can do within Office development. 
Shax uh, from the Visual Studio team has also been busy. Um, he's been kind of doing a bunch of stuff around Azure AD and connected services within Visual Studio. And what you may have noted in Office 365 now is when you go to the admin screens, there's now alongside the SharePoint Exchange names in the admin center, you can now get to Azure AD as well. And when you click on it the first time from your Azure AD when you're logged in as your tenant, you will get that you do, you know, this takes, uh, you know, you're not signed up for Azure and you have to go through that process. And um, Jack actually shows you how to do that. So it's definitely worth checking that out too. And then lastly, um, Elio Straff, who's um, been blogging very consistently over the last few months, um, has done a really cool blog post on how to add custom actions into the callout when you click the parentheses on documents. And it shows essentially how you can do some logic to check what type of file it is and whether you show that custom action next to the edit, share, and follow. It's got a bunch of code snippets in there and some screenshots, so really useful if you're doing anything to extend the UI via those custom actions in, um, in SharePoint 2013. So with that, we'll jump into the interview. I had the pleasure of catching up with Frank on Link, and then um, we actually caught up in San Diego at last minute decided to go to the Office 365 Summit, which is a free event. We have two developer tracks there, and um, we had a really impressive turnout and a greater bunch of speakers like Frank and Israel Vega and um, Paul Schaefline and myself. And uh, so I appreciate everyone who turned up and asked the questions and you know got, got excited about what we're talking about around this space. So thank you again, and um, I hope you enjoy the show. Okay, so I'm um, on a link call with Frank Moresco. He's uh, just been traveling, actually. You've been in um, Houston for the office summits down there, right? That is correct, Jeremy. We had a great time. Uh, we focused. Uh, I didn't know what Frank wanted to do, so I had both tracks. I had the IT Pro track where I talked about Delve and hybrid search. And then I had uh, the Deb tracks where we talked about OAuth and uh, transitioning your uh, full trust code to the app model. And and so you kind of you're bridging those different things, right? So you're kind of focused a little bit on Dev, a little bit on IT Pro. But how long have you been at Microsoft, and and what was your journey there? I've been with Microsoft for about nine and a half years, and I started off in Microsoft Services in the in the Midwest district. Um, about two years ago, I transitioned out of that role and I moved into the America Cloud Services organization where we specifically focus on anything cloud, be it SharePoint Online, Office 365, Azure. I'm one of the uh, dev guys that are on that team and uh, most of my time is helping customers with development transitioning FTC code to CAM, how can I integrate with Exchange, leveraging the REST and EWS API? So that's what I've been doing uh, for the last two years. Right, and that's, so that's how you got involved in the patents and practices team, because um, your skill set in, in kind of bringing, you guys kind of brought the band back together to kind of stop the duplication of efforts within Microsoft, I guess. Yeah, that, that's a, actually a great point, is because I, after talking with uh, Vesa, I'm like, hey, let's join forces here um, and let's consolidate and uh, get this out to 
our field and as well as our customers. And um, is there any kind of special areas that you've focused on within patterns and practices? Like obviously, you know, we've had Burton, Schumann and Vesser and Steve on the show, but is there areas um, that you've kind of owned within this project that um, you, you think is worth shouting out? Because I think it'd be good to kind of home in on that and talk about that in this show. Yeah. So uh, there was a few areas. Um, one is the... Um, you know, syncing your managed metadata terms from on-prem to another uh, farm like SharePoint Online. You know, how do we keep those uh, in sync? All right. You know, instead of going into multiple locations, that causes a little bit of a challenge, right? We could have additional complexities and and errors, right? Yeah. So uh, we worked on um, a sync. Um, an MMS uh, sync client that is uh, called uh, core.mmssync. The other areas is around uh, the ECM. So, you know, I developed an auto-tagging solution um, and also a solution that helps. How do you do site temp or uh, list definitions and list templates today? So I created the ECM document library sample, which mimics the out-of-the-box functionality that customizes lists and libraries for whatever your business requirement may be. Right. Okay. I think that's two that I'd really like to dive into in the show if you're um, good to talk about those because it's one of those things that I, you know, like uh, every now and again, I'll, I'll jump in and I'll check what's in there and have a look at samples, but there's just so much goodness in there that those two on their own would be enough to be worthy of, um, you know, talking about in detail. So the managed metadata one, obviously the hybrid scenario is something that we see customers doing a lot where maybe they move their mail workload into Office 365, but they keep SharePoint on promises. But what we've started to see in the last few years is, um, you know, from the BPOSIT days through to Office 365 is, okay, well, we'll start to move certain workloads of SharePoint up up into the cloud that maybe were out of the box and didn't have the full trust code customizations. But what that meant was you had SharePoint Online and you had SharePoint Server. And as you're saying, with things like managed metadata service, it's hard to share that across the two. So does it, is this what that tool does within within there? Exactly, right? You know, what I've seen and how this project actually started was, you know, when I'm assisting customers with moving to SharePoint Online, the, the top questions that always came about was, hey, I'm going to be in this transition period for a little while. I don't want to have to go to the, and manage two term stores. Can you make this easier for me? And that's how this sample started, is it would query your local uh, SharePoint on-premises uh, MMS service. It would then get all the changes right, that have occurred, and then it would actually go out and recreate those terms with the exact same GUIDs, right, out in SharePoint Online. So, you know, the reason why we had to some of those uh, GUIDs was, you know, while you're transitioning from FTC to the app model, right, you could be leveraging taxonomy fields. And with the existing solutions, they wanted to leverage one solution across both environments um, until they can move their entire workload out um, into the cloud. So this was a great start to help customers 
do that thinking without all the manual intervention. You know, some of the things that it also does is, you know, obviously it will get all the changes in, in the source system, but it would also, you know, look at the custom properties. Um, we just added a new capability now that actually supports multiple languages. So, you know, the first release was, was English. Now we have the capability to support multiple languages. So that was a great add there. Right. I think the key to this is, is that it's not just a product that we're building and shipping, but it's in GitHub. So people can go in and look at the source and see what you guys have done calling the management of data APIs. Um, I'm assuming you're using client-side object model and not REST, right? That is correct. We are using CSOM. We're the primary, you know, we're using obviously the SharePoint uh, client context. We're, we're using the taxonomy. The most important piece there is that our documentation was a little bit, you know, I'm just going to say it, right, Jeremy? Yeah. Our documentation is a little light with when it comes to how do I work with getting just the changes that have occurred. Right, and I, was, I wasn't aware you could even do that, so that's pretty cool that you've um, obviously either reflected or you've done something to see how that's all hooking together. <laughs> well, a, a lot of reflector um, also looking at the, the server-side object model um, and then matching that up in, in CSOM and basically the the signatures from you know csom and, and the server side are, are similar yeah and so we tried it out um in a, in a little pilot and uh, it actually worked very well you know one of the interesting problems though that i did face with this right is you know within this code sample and, and we fixed this is you know when we're getting all those changes right we specify a duration a, a term set could have changed a few times so for example i changed the description then frank goes and adds a new term and then and then Frank goes and, well, wait a minute, we don't need this term and now it deletes it, right? right. So, um, you know, so we handle that now in, into the code. Um, and the other thing is, too, is that we batch this up now, right? In the past, we were querying uh, multiple times. So we did this efficiently by caching in, in the implementation code. So every all of our changes are not synced. We, you know, when we're going to the destination, we're, we're creating the necessary terms, um, and then we're going to send those in batch all to uh, SharePoint Online's MMS. Right, okay. And I, I guess, you know, we joke about the reflector thing, but I think, you know, when I first started doing um, SharePoint 2003 and then when 2007 came out and... The documentation was definitely, a, a, you know, a long way behind back then. You know, we that's how you did it. You, you pulled DLLs open and you looked to see what the endpoints were doing to be able to m make sense of the APIs. And I think, you know, you can still do that right now with CSOM by downloading those DLLs um, and having a looking those. Like, it does give you a lot of insight into what's actually going on when you call those APIs that are hosted on the server, for sure. That is correct. Um, that's one of my favorite tools, to be honest. What's interesting, though, and this is credit to content publishing team that build all of that documentation on MSDN, is that, you know, they are pushing really hard on these new APIs. So with the API sandbox, like the, the live 
way of testing those RESTful APIs and the documentation we have on mail calendar contacts files is definitely uh, way better that we now we've shipped that that stuff's right there there and ready and I think as as new endpoints come in whether it's the office graph or Yammer or you know that documentation focus is, is a lot higher than we've ever had from an API endpoint perspective for sure well and you you made an actually interesting comment here is and you know and even I did earlier is our documentation wasn't there yeah that was one of the other reasons for PMP right to get this out to our customers, right, so that they can learn. We actually partner with the content editors from MSDN, and they are actually, our documentation that we provide in PNP is now they're, they're fixing up, um, you know, they're tech writers, right? We're, we're, we're coders. Um, they're, they're now fixing and getting this documentation out on MSDN a lot more quicker now than they ever have in the past. So that's a good kudos to, to those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, with the way that what's driving PMP in this scenario is a great example is that, you know, you've got customers that are genuinely asking for this. So it's great that you're kind of making decisions on what projects you take on and then that drives the documentation team to go okay well this is what people are genuinely asking for rather than kind of looking at okay we've got a thousand apis and we're a hundred through and not really understanding the priority of which apis should go so that that's definitely a benefit i guess my question is you know when a customer looks at these samples you know are they production ready are there things they need to do when they pull them down like oh is this prescriptive guidance that they can use this tool or well we do have it is good guidance um, there's always areas of improvement these are, are meant to be samples you know Sometimes we overlook some of that best practices with handling exceptions and handling throttling and et cetera. Um, we actually have had a, a, a new sample uh, to how do we handle if, you know, there have been too many requests, right? So this is a jumpstart to get you to that enterprise state. And we are working on other types of scenarios that are enterprise ready, right? So if if you go out in PNP and you see see the solutions area, um, we're right now we're working on an enterprise ready solution that would solve most 80% of your um, need when it comes down to site provisioning. And what it's going to do, right, is, you know, our, our, our pattern here, Jeremy, um, is, you know, if we wanna do customizations, right, create lists and libraries, do some branding, um, we, we do that in a post-provisioning process, right? So if you ever hear VESA talk, right, that that's what it's all about. So now we're going to merge all of the, the, the all the samples that you see, like applying branding, creating MMS uh, taxonomy fields, now we're going to be putting that all together in a cohesive solution, so that our customers can leverage this to move forward. Right, and it's a good kind of like uh, stepping stone for them to have like these reference samples that they can use and extend themselves. And I've already started seeing some of the companies that are using this stuff then submitting pull requests back with the extension bits that they've added, which is really cool. Yes, and so while these samples, right, they were meant to jumpstart, now the community is actually helping us make these and handling those things that we've 
did not do, like best practices with exception handling. So the, the community is doing a great job participating and, and making these samples even better as we go forward. That's cool. So I'm sure there's someone on the show that's probably looking for that exact requirement of the sync data. So that's that's really cool. Um, and before we go on to the other one, just quickly, from a managed metadata perspective, and you know, it gets called taxonomy as well from a, an outbound, from an end user perspective. As a developer, how would you use that? What's the benefits of having this service available to you? One of the key things, right? If this service wasn't available, and say that your information architecture team right, in your organization is updating these terms. They have to go to multiple places to do this. The, the other thing, too, is we, you know, it's a best practice, right? If you're in a hybrid scenario or a coexistent scenario, we need to be able to preserve those goods because some of the developers could have a dependency on, on that. So what this tool is meant to do, right, is to speed up that process and make everyone's life easier when it comes to managed metadata if you're in a hybrid scenario or a coexistence scenario. Right. And and so if you're there's a business application you're building and you're storing your data in SharePoint lists, you know, you can actually add a site column that maps to a term set and and leverage that taxonomy. That is correct. And instead of going out and updating the code all the time, you know, for your taxonomy fields, this will actually take that into consideration for you. This all actually stemmed, it's actually very interesting, is when Microsoft, you know, we have a lot of SharePoint farms on, on premises, right? And we we also have our SharePoint online. We had this exact same problem. So that's how MSIT actually solved their problems, um, their maintenance, right? So it, that's the core thing. It's the maintenance and the operational of, you know, we're trying to reduce that risk, right? Yeah. That uh, additional work that might be required. Um, if you're if you have multiple environments and and so the other one the ECM one that you've got what was that kind of complementary from a management metadata perspective or what does that sample do it was um, it does use managed metadata um, in that solution but you know the the reasoning for this one is in the feature framework today right I can create a list definition and if I have a scenario where I need to provide a standard way of creating lists and libraries that contain my content types and my necessary fields and my necessary settings. We had to defer back to you know those list definitions. So how do we do this in the app model? Obviously, we can you know upload a sandbox solution for that. Um, that gets into other operational costs. So. This sample actually stemmed for how can I implement this functionality in the app model way? And how can I apply versioning, right? I want to control versioning. I even want to apply like IRM settings, right? You know, you might have, you know, we'll call it uh, Frank's special library, right? Or, um, or approved library. Um, or highly confidential, this will apply those standard types of settings to this list in a consistent manner without having your site collection admins or your site owners go in, create the list, and add all those additional content types and additional settings. So this was meant to jumpstart that 
to show how we can replace those list definitions in an app model way. And what's the experience from the end user that wants to create a new list? Or is this more like when you add the app, it's provisioning a bunch of lists that the app's dependent on? Great question. Have you ever been and created a new library in SharePoint? Um, we mimic that functionality. I didn't have a chance to implement the dialogue. That's V2. But um, it actually looks just like the out-of-the-box uh, document library app that you have today. Okay. The one little interesting piece, though, is, you know, you, you give it a name. It checks to see if a list exists already, just like how, how the out-of-the-box implementation works. But then we added one little thing is we, we called them templates. So if you had multiple type of templates, so like say Frank's secured library must have IRM settings. Then we have a standard library which has, you know, the content type. So we, we, we use templates to do that so that we can implement different types of libraries based upon your need. So that actually solved a lot, a lot of problems um, for our customers um, because they were, you know, they need to provide that standard way of list. Po Post-provisioning helps us there, but it doesn't get us there after the site is provisioned and I want to create a new library, right, just um, to store additional documents. Um, so we needed to be able to address that. So you, were you train the end user to, um, in their site, click add and add this particular app to the site, or would, would you typically pre-provision the app there in the first place? So we have two options there. Um, one is, yes, you, you can do that training um, and have the site admins in, install that app. Another mechanism is pushing from the app catalog right? App stapling so that all sites would get this, right? And so that, you know, it's immediately available to all of your site collections um, and that you want to target. So from a deployment standpoint, um, all, it is a provider hosted app. So we need a hosting platform for that. Um, once we have that, and we can push out via the app catalog to all of our site collections. Right. And then they just, the end user would then, or the site admin would then launch that app and fill out the form to create the new library. That is correct. The other thing too, right, you know, um, you know, if you go and try to add an app and say that you're a viewer. So, Jeremy, you're on my site. Um, you're only a viewer. You go to all the, you know, all content, you, you see the app. This also shows, this sample also shows how you can do permission checks in a provider hosted app based upon your membership in the site level. So if if the Jeremy the viewer tries to come on in, we send you, I'm sorry, Jeremy, you do not have access. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. And so again, I think that there's the value of the scenario, which I think a lot of people would benefit from just having that and using it. But there's also the little kind of nuances that the app does, like permission checking that, again, you could go into the app and look how that code's been written and then take that and use but that yourself in your own application. And, and, and it also, you know, I mentioned content types. Um, 
you know, it also provisions content types as well. Um, so if you're not pushing out content types from the hub or you need to support that multilingual, um, this also shows you that pattern of how you can provision content types and, and fields um, to your site collection. So it kind of takes a, a, the best of of all the samples that we have and, and make it into one nice little solution. Yeah, that sounds good. It's like kind of bundling them all together, right? Yes. And so are there any other cool ones you're working at the moment? Like those are two really, I mean, they're, they're hot samples. But there are other ones you're working on that you're looking to get out the door? Yes, there is. So, you know, back at TechEd, right, we announced the Office 365 API is now available. So um, I'm working on um, a few samples oh, cool. that will show um, how to integrate with Exchange and SharePoint. Um, I have to work on my UX skills there a little bit, Jeremy, so I'm going to have to phone a friend. <laughs> but but what, I, what the idea of this sample is, you know, say you want to customize and you know, your uh, Windows phone app or a mobile app, or it's a, a website, you know, running on Azure or on-prem, what this is going to do, right, it, it's going to talk to Exchange and it's going to talk to SharePoint, right? It's going to show how that I can build a simple little portal using Exchange and SharePoint as that backstage. So that's that's the next sample that I'm working on. I'm hoping to get that ready for the next Office 365 Summit, but it's next week in San Diego. Ah, it's going to be tough, but, you know, I might probably do that over the Christmas holiday um, and, and get that ready for... Uh, Johannesburg. So that's my goal is to get that sample ready by then. So you're because I'm, obviously I'm kind of running the summits, but just explain to people like what 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 have you seen the benefits for people attending these Office 365 summits in the different locations? I've only done right now Houston, but you know it's you know we tried to say all the goodness about you know all these patterns and how to solve being across the pond and here in the states. We just the time zones just don't work out, right? The benefit that I see, right, is it's face-to-face, -face, right? And and how I do my sessions, it, it we have conversations. And after the sessions are over on day one, I, I sit with my with the attendees and we talk about dev and talk about their challenges that they're facing. Some things could be, hey, I don't know how to do this in the app model or I'm having this problem. You know, I help them with that and hopefully to get that sample out in PNP. And some of our PNP samples have actually come across because of the Office 365 Summit from the attendees saying, hey, what about this? Right. You know, right, right. I, I heard one in the FTC to Cam. Hey, I, I need to adjust my search settings. How can I do that? Well. We're working on a sample right now for that one um, to tailor the needs. We already have an existing search sample alter. Yeah, I think that the cool part there as well is, you know, we do have a lot of training on dev.office.com.training, which you can sit through. I mean, it's on demand. You can follow through on the holes. But I think the value of having someone like yourself in the room, you know, I don't mind when you go off track and start kind of talking specifically around certain scenarios that people in the room are interested in. Uh, I think there's a ton of value in your experience and that's why I kind of like trying to get people like yourself on the show to you know really really talk heavily about that stuff talking about side tracking I, I did an overview of SharePoint online and 
everyone was very familiar with it. And then I got to the app section, right, of, hey, you know, the new app model. And we actually talked dev in an IT pro session, and everybody enjoyed. That was probably the best piece <laughs> about the session is, you know, hey, how do I do this, right? And, yeah, you know, so we mixed a little bit of IT pro and dev and and in the session. So it actually worked out very well. And the attendees appreciated that. So I, I it's, I was very happy that uh, everyone liked that session. So you've got a few glamorous ones, right? You've got, so you've done Houston, San Diego, you're doing South Africa? Yes. So I'm going to be doing a little bit of traveling. Um, I'm going to be going to South Africa. Yeah. Uh, once we're all done yeah. on the final day, we're trying to figure out how we can get to Amsterdam because Amsterdam is two days later. So that's going to be a good time. And then we're, we're going to be doing Sydney um, in March, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I'm actually going to be a few of those. I'm definitely going to be the one in Sydney because um, it's close to my neck of the, my, my home. So I'm going to creep back after that event. But um, they've had good attendance so far. And as I say, it's not just a developer track. There's a bunch of other tracks. So if you are interested in turning up to one of these things, the uh, summit.office.com is the place to go and check those things out. And again, all that training content is available on uh, github.com slash office dev slash training content as well. And we've just had a rave of that as well. So um, yeah, things are going really well on that front. And the other thing too that we can't forget about is our Office 365 Yammer group for patterns and practices. That's right. You guys are busy on that. That's for sure. And if you're an IT pro listening to this, we have the IT pro network out there. And um, also our Office 365 summits are also out there as well. Uh, so where you get to uh, ask questions uh, during your sessions. Yeah, I think there's a huge amount of value in that, the, the Yammer network, because of the fact that the engineers and people like yourselves are on there engaging as well. So, you know, it's just taken off way more than I've seen any other community since, it's, since it was created, which is great. And it actually did help me a little bit too, Jeremy, is, you know, that Tuesday out in uh, Houston, I presented from nine to five, um, nonstop, and I, I did apologize if we couldn't get to uh, a question. Post that out there in that group, and we were able to get their questions answered. So that was a, also a great avenue to to get your questions answered. Or if you don't want to ask a question, you can just post it out on the Emory group and we'll get an address for you. Cool. Well, um, I really appreciate your time, mate. I know you must have literally just landed <laughs> it from Houston, so thanks for getting on the call. Hey, no problem, Jeremy. Thank you. Uh, and we'll certainly get you back as in when you've got more samples that we can kind of share with people and make sure that people have that awareness of what's going on in that PMP group. It could almost be a dedicated podcast at this point based on speaking to um, some members of your team. So it's really exciting to see what you guys have been doing, and I really appreciate all the work you've put into it as well. Thank you, and when I get that sample done, that shows the Office 365 uh, API, I'll reach out to you and maybe we can do another podcast on that. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. A, um, so how do people get in touch with you other than the Yammer Networks? Do you, are you on Twitter and LinkedIn and bit, bit blogging and stuff? My blogs, uh, Frank underscore Morosco over at MSDN. Um, at Twitter, at Frank underscore Morosco. I'm on LinkedIn you can also reach out to me on uh, our patterns and practices over on uh, Office Dev on GitHub. Um, I'm also available there if you if you run into and you just want to give me out a poke. 
I can also be reached out there. So great, excellent. I'm all what all the new kids are doing from a social aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Part of the cool band. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, um, are you coming up to Tech Ready, our internal thing in January? Yes, I am. Excellent. Well, we'll definitely have to catch up for a beer while you're in town. Actually, first round. First round is on me. So excellent. <laughs> we'll continue with the other rounds because I'm sure it won't just be two rounds. Excellent. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, have a good rest of the week, mate, and um, I'll see you in San Diego next week. Cheers, Jeremy. Take it easy. Thanks, Frank. Cheers. Bye bye. Thanks again for listening. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of your Office 365 developer needs. All the links from the show are in the blog post on blogs.office.com/dev, where you can find the latest news about Office 365. If you have any ideas for new shows or questions for us, please join us in our Yammer group in the Office 365 Technical Network. Have a great week, guys, and keep coding on Office 365.